This episode is sponsored by Bright Fresh uh, Microgreens. They sent me a sample pack. It was awesome. I was putting it in my salad. I was putting it on my pizza. I was putting it on a bunch of stuff. It was super good. Uh, it boosts your immune system, which is very important for a time like now. Um, so if you want to go to brightfresh.com, get some microgreens. Hey, this is Jordan Belfort, the real wolf of Wall Street, and you're listening to The Anthony Rogers Show. Welcome back to the greatest show in the universe. Uh, today's guest is a superstar, a huge in comedy, uh, Tess Barker. How are you doing? Hi, I'm great. How are you? Pretty good. Uh, it's written for The Guardian, Vice, uh, Vox, MTV, Funny or Die. Uh, if anyone had like one-fifth of that resume, they'd be successful. So uh, congratulations <laughs> on your success and everything. Thank you. No problem. Uh, what got you into uh, writing, first off? Like, I guess we'll start with it. Um, I guess writing is something that's always just kind of come naturally to me. It was always like my favorite part of school and I always just enjoyed it. So I sort of always knew I would be a writer. Um, and then I originally, I got into journalism actually via stand-up. I had been doing stand-up for a while and one of my buddies who I did comedy with was working at MTV News and hired me, hired me there. And that's kind of how I got into doing journalism stuff. Oh, wow. That's a great, that's a great start. I mean, just straight to MTV News. Yes, I got lucky. No, that's great. Hard work, I mean, hard work too, though. I mean, you know, so you've been doing this, you knew since you were young that you wanted to uh, go into writing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, it just was always something that I really enjoyed. I'm a big reader too. So yeah, I kind of just always knew I would be a writer and do something with comedy. Cool, cool. Yeah, you seem kind of together for a comic. Like I think most comics are kind of self-deprecating or like dark. Like, you seem like you just kind of have like a good energy to you. Like uh, I wouldn't say that to most comics probably. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, you know, I, I work out a lot and I smoke weed. So that helps. Yeah, that's the that's the answer right there. <laughs> so, um, are you are you from California? Then I'm assuming. I am. Yeah, I'm from Southern California. I'm from a suburb of LA called Camarillo, which is like halfway between LA and Santa Barbara. Cool, cool. And then, um, so what? You were in comedy before you were a writer, though. You're saying. Yeah, I got into stand up like right out of college. I initially got into doing like sketch and improv and stuff like that, and then sort of just out of a function of the fact that stand-up was like easier to do like you didn't you could just go anywhere and do stand-up I kind of just started doing it and found out that I really loved it so yeah stand-up I've been doing since I think 2005 or 6. Oh wow that's awesome and then uh you wrote for tv shows too like I'm I'm I'm, I'm ignorant that's why I'm kind of doing an interview what, what tv shows you wrote for or written for sorry uh Billy on the Street uh, I wrote for a show called Throwing Shade which was on tv land it was like a late night talk show that uh, the oh. hosts were a, a gay man and a straight woman so it was a late night talk show that focused on uh news stories that had to do with either women's issues or gay issues that's awesome good for you that's uh, that's uh, how old are you if that's not rude to ask a lady that like I'm 37. 37? Okay. And that's a lot of, that's, a, that's, I, I had a feeling that uh, you weren't 20 something just because of your resume. <laughs> like, I was just like, that's a lot of stuff to do. I was just like, damn, it's a, so how long in this time span? You said 2005 is about when you started comedy and stuff? Mm -hmm. Okay. That's a lot of stuff in there. I mean, that's like, I think a lot of people kind of have that LA dream that they kind of just want to uh, do half the stuff you did, let alone all of it. Like, uh, what have you written for Vice? Like, uh, I've written a lot of stuff for Vice. For a while, I was freelancing really regularly for them. Um, I was doing a lot of like really gonzo kind of stuff for them. Like they were, they're really fun. They let me just use like weird, crazy shit. Uh, I did one article that I wrote for them that did really well was I, I, it was kind of a stunt, but I, I fixed my credit by day drinking. And I basically like threw myself, I threw myself like a huge party and I got all dressed up at my house. And I like, I had like, I had like this party it was called like a getting shit together party so I invited some friends over and everyone had to wear like a fancy outfit and you had to bring like something really boring that you'd been putting off doing for a while 
And so my thing was like calling credit agencies and like just getting my credit figured out. And every time you accomplish something, there was like prizes and cakes and a pinata and stuff like that. And all of us got shit done that we've been putting off for a really long time. So I wrote an article about that for Vice and I don't know, just stuff like that. <laughs> That's awesome. That's like literally like an awesome idea. I love that idea. And then did you actually fix your, you fix your credit score by day drinking? Like that's actually, that actually worked? Like, Yeah. No, I, I woke up the next day with better credit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great concept. I love that. Super original. Like, and just like unique and interesting. It's not like, like just some copy. Like, so I feel like a lot of communities are just like kind of copy paste communities. But that's like, that's a super original idea. I think I, I, I haven't heard it at least. I just thought, you know, this is something that I've been putting off. So why don't I make it into like, try to trick myself into making me think it's something fun. Right. It's like whenever you smile, the muscles make you think you're happy kind of thing. Like, so you go through the, you make a party out of the things you don't want to do. I love that. That's exactly. Super, that's a super great idea. <laughs> where do you see yourself in the future? Like, where do you see this going? Like, uh, like the kind of momentum you built so far and stuff like, uh, um, I mean, I, I have a couple like longer term projects that I'm working on right now that I'm hoping to see to fruition. Um, I really like writing like dramatic writing and writing for TV and film and stuff like that. So I want to do more of that. I also write plays. So I'd like to keep doing that and putting them up and yeah. That's awesome. That's cool. Uh, so like, I guess like, uh, so you like movies, TV, like comedy, writing, that's like, that's like extensive. That's pretty, that's pretty, it's like a Da Vinci kind of like a, a Renaissance person type vibe. You know? <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. To me, it's not really like what kind of writer I am, but what is the story? Like some things are articles and some things are jokes and some things are plays and and so it's more to me like I'll get an idea and then I kind of just know like what medium it's supposed to be that's awesome uh, do you have any people that got you into this like as far as like uh people you looked up to in the industry when you're like a child or something more so hmm. yeah definitely I mean I looked up to Carol Burnett a lot as a kid I was really obsessed with her uh, Lucille Ball, I was really obsessed with. Um, Carol Burnett made sense when you said that. It like clicked when you said that 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 would work, that would be your vibe. It, it, like it just made. Sorry, go ahead though. That I just that just totally clicked in my head when you said that. Yeah, just her physical comedy and her sketches were so smart, and yeah, I just always loved her show. Um, and then I'm trying to think who else I really liked. I mean, my favorite comedian, like my the stand-up comic that got me like wanting to do stand-up was. Sorry, I just shot my table. Was Sarah Silverman. That's awesome. What fe- what happened? Like, what fell? Some fell over. My table. Uh, I feel like we have to address it just because nobody else does. Like any other show, yeah. we just totally ignore it. We'd be like, we're like, oh, nothing ever happens. <laughs> no, if it makes you feel better. I have a light bulb like like glimmering, and I'm I'm like hoping it just doesn't blow up during this interview. I'm like I'm like that's what. So I'm glad I'm glad your table fell over before this light bulb blows up. Yeah, we're all just barely hanging on here. Yes, the COVID years. <laughs> That's great. So uh, you said lifelong in LA and stuff. How, how has LA changed recently? Is it, is it crazy? Because I haven't been in years, but is it crazy because all the restrictions type thing, the, the thing we're going through right now? Yeah, I mean, it's hard because I don't really have anything to compare it to. So I don't know Fair. how different it is from what's going on with other cities. But um, we're definitely, I think culturally here, people are taking the virus really seriously. Like there's not a lot of people like doing big outdoor gatherings or things like that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's been for a while now, just a lot of stuff closed. People, I mean, there's like, you know, outdoor dining and stuff like that, but but there's no like gyms open or anything like that. That's crazy. It's like, it's like high rent without the, without any of the benefits, <laughs> like right now. Yeah, I have a lot of friends who've, who've been moving over, like every, I feel like every week I have a different friend who's who's getting out of here. That's what I heard. But yeah, I, I think hopefully we get through this soon and like, yeah, it'll return back to like some good stuff, you know, like. I think there's still a lot of going on in LA. So a lot of my friends, I still have a lot of friends moving out and moving in. Like, I feel like it's going both ways. Like I get, like LA t- like tends to like, I feel like it's yeah, just kind of, exactly. 
it's kind of been that way for a while. Yeah, it was like my, a couple a couple of film buddies are moving there and stuff now too. Like, what would you give? Uh, what advice would you give somebody watching this? Like, how to kind of get into what you do? Like, I, I get into being a writer, comedian, or like any any kind of thing you've done so far. Uh, well, definitely both writing and comedy. It's just a matter of like doing it. You just have to do it. You know, don't wait for like the perfect opportunity. Don't you're never, especially comedy. You're never gonna feel ready. You're always gonna be scared to do it your first time. Like, just make yourself do it, and then. And then just be disciplined about, you know, you, you need, I think to succeed in comedy and writing, you need to be a very like self-disciplined person. So, you know, take your own deadline seriously. If you say you're going to write, write, finish what you start and just show up. That's real. Like, uh, what, did, what was your first comedy set? Like talking about the being scared thing. Like what was, what was, what was your first set? I mean, I don't know how many of my own jokes I remember, but, uh, it was at an open mic at this like art gallery. I was temping at Fox and somebody had like left a flyer for an open mic in the desk. And I've been thinking about doing comedy for a while. And I was like, oh, I'm going to take this as a sign. I guess I'm just going to go do this open mic. And I thought that it was like going to be a bar, but it was, uh, it was an art gallery. And I was so nervous that I went across the street and I got a beer and I drank it on the curb. And then I came back inside. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, my knees were, I mean, I was extremely nervous the whole time, but I did get some laughs. So I guess from that, I, I kind of got hooked. That's awesome. Like, uh, how long did it take that feeling to go away? Or do you still have that feeling that of nervousness before you go on? Um, no, I, I don't know that I get like a lot of stage right before going on now. I guess it probably took a year or two of just myself do it over and over again. Interesting. Yeah, I know. That's good. That's good advice for people. I think too, because I, I definitely think you should just try a million things and find out if it's right for you. If it's not like, you know, I mean, like there's so many different like things like people, I think a lot of people like the idea of entertainment until they actually get into it. Yeah, it's a hustle. A lot of it is very not glamorous at all. Yeah, yeah. from my experience, it's like you want to be broke for 10 years and then have like slight success. <laughs> like you, it's like Exactly, yes. Like, they say you can relate to that. Okay, I didn't know if that was for everybody or what. I just knew that that was definitely like a like a thing. If you want to work 40 hours, go to school full time on top of this and then dream on top. It's like you just have to do so much stuff. It's like, it's a lot of work, definitely. And you're, yeah, I, think, and, I mean, that's, the other practical thing is just like having a way to make, you're not going to make money if you want to do comedy or something like that. You're not going to make money off that right away. So like have a day job everyone has day jobs when they first start that's real yeah no i think that's i think that's great advice like and i think a lot of people like w like look to people like you to like kind of like like to have the answer and they don't really i don't think they ever really say it i think most people because i think most people kind of keep their success to themselves and like don't really you know I mean, they, they, it's, it's, it's a competition also with like other people and yourself i guess so it's like kind of hard to actually give good advice i feel like this is just training your replacement almost you know that's how people yeah. feel at least i don't think that yeah. way but i think that's how people would feel I mean, I think as long as you're being true to yourself, you're offering something that no one else is going to be able to offer because there's only one you. So that's that's real. I think that's in most fields. It's like it's a contest of who could be themselves the best. It's like it's like your, your authenticity cannot be like replaced with anything. Like you seem like a really real person. I think a lot of comedians are though. I think like they almost like they they are the real people in our society. They're the new like philosophers or whatever you know. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely an art form. Where yeah, the more I mean, a big part of like the process I think is just stripping away the bullshit that you put on to like function in regular society and allowing your kind of genuine self to exist on stage. No, I think that's, that's very true. I mean, you've written for some big publications like the guardian and like vice are huge. And I mean, so, so are the rest of them. But I mean, those just stand out. I mean, the garden's like an international publication. That's like huge. That's like an English, uh, a publication for the English speaking world. Basically. I mean, I think Australia, New Zealand, uh, UK, clearly uh, America, Canada, like they all read that. That's crazy. That's uh, what, uh, what, what kind of stuff have you written for them so far? Like, so the Guardian, most of my writing that I've done for them has been on the issue of um, professional cheerleaders, actually, for the NBA and the NFL. Oh, nice. Um, 
Yeah, they're they're really severely underpaid and and really uh, systematically mistreated, and it's a really sort of bizarre subculture and work situation that these women work in. So I've done a lot of investigative reporting about, there's been like a number of cases where NFL or NBA teams have been sued by their cheerleaders for like huh. for wage underpayment and, and employee mistreatment. So I've done a bunch of investigative reporting for them about that. Wow. That's real. I never even think about that. It's kind of like a, in my opinion, it would be like a commonly overlooked thing that, that, I mean, cause yeah, I mean, the players are making like millions of dollars and how much are they making? Like, I, I don't, I don't even know. Uh, I mean, it's ridiculous. They make usually less than minimum wage. Once you calculate all like they've got to work a lot of unpaid hours that's in their contract. It's totally illegal, but they're Yeah. Their contract stipulates that they have to work a bunch of unpaid hours. They have to go do these like mandatory workouts that they're not paid for. Um, so they make a lot of these girls, they make like around four or $5 an hour. Oh my God. That's like server wages without the tips. Without the tips. Yeah. And it's, it's a really, I mean, it's a highly skilled job. So, I mean, not that, you know, it doesn't take skills to serve, but I mean, it's, it's something that really not everyone can do when it's very competitive. So when you factor those things in, it's just really ridiculous. No, that's super interesting. And like, ter- I mean, terrible, but super interesting. Cause like, I never, I w- would have never thought about that. And yeah, I guess like, is it because it's high competition, I guess, or something to where like pe- they'll just replace it with somebody else who wants to be on TV or like just to say they're a cheerleader for like the Lakers or something. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's a lot of the way that they, that they they keep the girls in and they keep them from speaking out a lot of times is because it is like this really prestigious thing. A lot of times they've been wanting to do this since they were like four or five years old. So they get there and they're not going to do anything to jeopardize this position that they're in. Oh, um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, the reason we have actors unions and writers unions and directors unions is because you could get replaced at any time. So you need some kind of a, a some kind of protection in a situation like that. Otherwise, you know, it's just really easy to exploit people. No, that is crazy. I mean, they charge like 40 bucks for a hot dog and they can't pay their cheerleaders. It's like weird. Like it doesn't seem it's like insane. what. It's insane. The Dallas Cowboys, I think, I, I'm trying to remember how much their jumbotron costs, but it was like I want to say like forty million dollars for a jumbotron. I mean, it's ridiculous. These teams are worth like billions of dollars. That the sounds like money laundering team. to me. Like it sounds like money yeah. laundering. They're like, yeah, that was forty million dollars. That's where the forty million dollars went to that jumbotron. Right. Like, that's what it sounds <laughs> like TV, to me. Basically, like how much could it really cost? Yeah, it doesn't make much sense. That's crazy. Like, it completely sounds like money laundering. They're, they're like, yeah, no, that's where all that money went to that jumbotron. Like, it doesn't even make it. That's crazy. Yeah. And realistically, just to, just for people to run across lines. <laughs> like, right, it's just exactly. Like, like I'm, I'm not big, I, I don't knock people watch sports, but I mean, that's just how I view it. It's just like, it's, it's like just dudes running across lines and like people get excited about that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so weird. Do you have a favorite sport or what? Uh, do you into sports at all? I am. I'm really into sports. Um, yeah, I'm really, really into baseball. I'm a big Dodgers fan. So I'm very excited right now. We're in the World Series. Um, are you mad that and- the Cardinals are better? No, because the Dodgers are winning the World Series right now. We have eleven of them, though. We have eleven of them. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just razzing you. There's no, there's no winning in that. We're both gonna think we're right the whole time. <laughs> the whole time. So yeah, I know the Dodgers are a pretty good team, though. Honestly, I, I won't take that away from them. I do like, a, I like the Lakers a lot, and they just won a championship. That'd be crazy if the uh, Lakers and Dodgers both win this year. That'd be crazy. That's what I'm really hoping for, and I've been like spending an insane amount of time watching sports because I was watching, yeah, the whole Lakers series. Usually, that's obviously in the spring, so it's been like back to back. I feel like it's my part-time job, like watching Lakers and Dodger games. And I got into the WNBA this summer too, so it was like a lot of sports. <laughs> that's awesome. No, that, that's interesting. It's like it's like it's definitely a weird time for like sports because like I, the good the pros would be like you could literally watch any sport all the time. Apparently, like they're just constantly going on. You have like some like a couple sports going on that normally wouldn't be. But like the crowd kind of kills it for me because like I I feel like it's like the. Uh, I feel like it's just like a, I don't know how to describe it, but it's like a, the, without the crowd, there's less energy and passion almost like. 
Yeah, they've got now for the World Series. They are there are fans. It's like at like you know less than full capacity, but they do have people there now for baseball, so that's cool. Um, and then for basketball, for some reason, it didn't bother me as much without the crowds. Like I actually kind of liked having the more kind of intimate look at the players. But I know what you mean. No, that makes Definitely sense. Definitely yeah. football is awkward. Yeah, basketball, that is an exception, I think, because I, I, I didn't mind that in basketball as much, yeah. But baseball is just weird to me. It's like, it was like just watching people, like, uh, like, just play games in their backyard. The energy of it, though. You know what I mean? Like, like, yeah. Usually, crowd energy gives so much to sports, I think. It gives so much to it. Especially baseball. And also, like, during the regular season, whatever, you know, the guy whose job it was to, like, do the crowd sound, like, sometimes he would mess up, and, like, the crowd noise wouldn't match, like, the play that just happened. <sighs> So, like a guy would hit a pop-up but then they played the home run sound and it was just like oh this is awkward that's so funny i didn't even think about that that's hilarious i never i didn't experience <laughs> that that's hilarious that's cool yeah i know it's a it's a it's a good time i mean there's definitely a lot of silver lining in the times right now i think i think it's easy to focus on the negative with like if you just watch anything on tv or read any article it's, it's easy it's easy to focus yeah. on the negative but i think there's a lot of silver lining that, that people aren't really going through i think like uh it's definitely challenging people and showing, showing us who's strong and who's compassionate and who like, you know I mean? Who can actually help us get through this? You know, I think it's a, it's a weird and testing time, I think for sure. Definitely. I mean, yeah, we have no choice but to get through it. So. Yeah. And you're more, ne- your job's more necessary than ever. Like just making people laugh right now. It's like, I, I think that's like, that's the most necessary. One of the most essential jobs is just, is just like taking people's mind off of like whatever, whatever is going on every single, whatever disaster is going on every three hours. Right. Exactly. It's like an insane time, and like I'm glad I'm glad like like people like you can still be upbeat and like kind of like I kind of know know like know what's going on, but still just be positive. You know, I think like you know, you don't have, you don't have to be delusional to ignore it, but you have to just like still be positive. I think it's important. Definitely, yeah. I mean, that's all I've been all I've really been wanting to watch is like sports and comedies. And yeah, it's like everything else is so dark. You just want something to distract you a little bit. Yeah, it's like the this is the worst end of the world I've ever experienced. Yeah, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> right. Like, I thought it'd be, I thought the end of the world would be a lot cooler. <laughs> Like when I read about it, like, I don't know. yeah, it's really tedious, actually. Yeah, it's, exhausting. it's exhausting. Yeah, <laughs> that's real. <laughs> well, um, where can people find some of your stuff uh, before we get out of your stuff? Like, we'll do go go with uh, like just your art first, and then we'll go to social media after that, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, I've got a bunch of stuff on my website, tessbarker.com. I have some articles that I've written there and videos and stuff like that. And then um, my socials is on Instagram and Twitter is testifybarker, T-E-S-S-T-I-F-Y Barker. All right. Well, thank you very much for coming on here. We'll have you on again at some point. Uh, I look her up on, uh, read all of her articles, uh, give her your money, uh, however you can, like uh, mm-hmm. buy, her pro- buy her products, read her articles. Like uh, you have a really good vibe and I appreciate you coming on uh, today. Thanks for having me.